All right, welcome to the Humans of Grappling podcast. We're here this week with Chad Lyman, uh, jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, law enforcement officer, and uh, trainer, overall badass. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Whenever I'm in uh, Crossroads Bottom with you, though, or maybe Half Guard uh, Bottom, I don't feel like such a badass. Yeah. I'm going to let you uh, know. Okay. <laughs> when I got the mic, Thank you. the mic pressure on top of me, it's, it's, it's right. game-changing. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> So, uh, just to kind of explain the situation a little bit, uh, you're stuck in Portland because of some, some crazy snowstorms and you're, you're kind of at an airport. So if we hear like announcements or anything like that, um, we, we shouldn't be too, just dis- the listeners shouldn't be too distracted. hundred so. percent. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Thank you. Sweet. Yeah. Th- thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested in like, yeah, like what you're doing with, um, uh, uh, Leo's and how you're able to train them in like police jujitsu. And I guess, why don't you just start there? And like, how, how did you come up with that, that idea? Cool. Um, in 1998, I started as a police officer in Portland, Oregon, which is where I'm currently Mm -hmm. stuck. Uh, started to work for the Portland police bureau. I worked until 2004, late in 1998. Um, my first, Mm -hmm. within my first year on the job, I realized Mm -hmm that while I was willing to um, put my hands on people when needed or try to grab them or arrest them or whatever, I realized uh-huh. I, I didn't have a cognitive way to do that. Similar, and what, what I went back to, because I didn't have a martial arts background, is my athletic days playing sports. Mm-hmm. And I knew intuitively mm-hmm. that I'm an average athlete, but I overachieve because I work really hard and I'm really coachable and I, I can conceptualize things. So sure. I started looking for a training methodology that then I can deploy at work when I was on police calls. And remember, this is like in 98, like jujitsu is not very common in general. Um, so nobody in police departments was doing Brazilian jujitsu. And, mm-hmm. um, I tried Taekwondo, um, Lots of kicking and moving around, not a lot of control of other people wasn't my thing. So I passed on that. Uh, There was an American karate school in Beaverton, Oregon. I don't know the name of it to this day, but I walked in there and they were pretty hardcore, but they were kicking everybody in the junk and trying to throw punch each other. And I would say, well, what if the guy doesn't want to turn around for me? And they'd be like, you'll Spartan kick at me. It's almost like Master Ken. Like Stomp the groin, (laughs) re-stomp the groin. Uh And I was like, I can't really just stomp the groin. Like there's, Uh and it was funny, even in that setting, Mike, because some of your listeners may think of what's a good martial art for self-defense. And Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, training or self-defense type, I'm not the sport guy. They'll sell it Mm -hmm. as there's no rules in the street. Well, the reality is there's a lot of rules in the street. It's called the law. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't randomly stomp people's groins. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just throat punch people because right. you parked in their spot. So, sure. and then yeah. you take a law enforcement officer, there's even more rules. So, Krav Maga, um, um, karate, if, 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 if an Elio, do, if the Leo does that or a civilian, I'm not crapping on what they're doing, but for me, that wasn't the right mm-hmm. answer. So, I wandered into Straight Blast Gym. World Headquarters, oh, okay. which is in awesome. Portland, and uh, at that time we weren't even doing gi jiu jitsu. I know you're a fan of no gi through Tenth Planet, but 
Yep. Um, in the state of Oregon, the highest level belt in the gi was a blue belt in the whole state. And that happened to oh, be wow. at that gym. Uh-huh. And Rob Fallis and Matt Thornton were leading the team at that gym. And awesome. uh, immediately I knew I was in the right place. I was getting controlled, held down by smaller people. It was very versatile. Mm-hmm. We, there mm-hmm. was striking, which is necessary uh, potentially for self-defense or for Leo's. But there was a lot of control, and that's what caught my eye. In the Taekwondo setting, there was no control. I felt like, well, I'm never going to mm-hmm. control anybody. I'm going to kick them. They're going to kick me back. And right. There's no way to handcuff a guy while I'm kicking him. Um, sure. The karate thing, they wanted to kill everybody. And then now I had mm-hmm. this thing where I'm going to get in a position to kill you, yeah. but maybe I don't kill you, and maybe sure. you comply. And that was part mm-hmm. of the training. So immediately it rang true to me. So in 19, by 1999, uh, I was trying to get cops to train that early oh, wow. and yeah. nobody would do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, they, they just think it's karate or they just think it's yeah. like, they, they just equate it to yeah. these other, like, yeah. Restomping the groin. Kind yeah. Of things. Now what was interesting is in those early days, I would go to the gym and learn from Matt Thornton, Rob Fallis. Uh, who's passed on now, but was a great guy, um, one of my best friends. Um, Dennis Davis, who's a coach at Extreme Couture, was on the team mm. as a fighter, as an AMI and oh, then a wow. pro. So I knew Dennis oh, when okay. Dennis was not Dennis, uh, you, you know, and he was he was coming up oh. as a fighter. Um, so I was rubbing shoulders with all those guys back in the day, and right. I would go to train with them, and then I, I would go to work, and we would lay out tumbling mats in the hallway outside the locker room. And I would show mm-hmm. the other cops stuff that I was doing in the gym. And at mm-hmm. first, no one wanted to do it with me. But then they saw me and my partner drilling. Uh, and then they saw us on calls controlling people. And then mm-hmm. it made everyone else slowly. Our little group in the hallway grew to a larger group. And people would literally have to step over us to go into the locker room and get changed out. And eventually, the Portland Police Bureau built a mat room in what is now their north precinct. It used to be called Northeast when I was there. They built the mat room literally because my friends and I trained so much in the hall that we kept putting holes in the wall. And the captain got mad and built a mat room. And and that precinct was the only precinct in the entire city that had a mat room. And that was because me and my friends in the early 2000s were already doing this before it was cool. Now, fast forward to today, I moved to Vegas in 04, and then mm-hmm. uh, fast forward to modern police um, um, evolution in tactics, mm-hmm. and um, especially even as we see some landmark cases that bring a lot of um, attention, like uh, George mm-hmm. Floyd being one. Sure. Um, yep. Post-George Floyd, there's a bigger push than ever for control-type training and um, really before that, before COVID, it was picking up. And then COVID put a little bit of a chill on it. Then George sure. Floyd put a chill on anything law enforcement related for a little while because people were understandably upset. And then, uh, but the rebound from that for a guy like me who's been trying since 1998 to get departments to adopt more training, regular training and more grappling training, um, mm-hmm. I've never seen it better. Uh, I'm stranded in Portland awesome. because I was flown up by a department in Southern Washington. 
to provide mm -hmm. training. I used to provide training, Mike, and I would get three cops, four cops, five mm -hmm. cops. You know, we had 40-plus right. cops in the room, um, three-quarters of which trained jiu-jitsu out of that room. Oh. One quarter oh, wow. was brand so, new. So. Uh -huh. um, most white and blue belts, several purple belts, uh -huh. and a few black belts. Dang. So it's changing. That's that's a, that's a solid squad. Yeah. It's changing. And and that yeah, that's um, I'm sure they like since there was a majority of like jujitsu guys there, like that's probably why like that influenced them to like bring you up and like to get everyone bought in. Yeah. Probably. Yes, sir. That helps. It helps a yeah. lot. And one of the things I've done is. Similar to your jiu-jitsu journey, jiu-jitsu is a very monotonous, day-by-day, step-by-step journey. Some days better than others. Like, there's a philosophy of 1% better every day. If I got 1% better every day, I'd be amazing. No one would ever yeah, beat me. Definitely. There's days I'm yeah. worse. But but it's not important on getting one. I want to try to get better every day, but that's the key, is consistently striving, struggling. And that's what jiu-jitsu teaches you in general, right? So once... Yep. Once I went down this journey, just like I'm not deterred when I don't, when my jujitsu journey takes a long time or as ebbs and flows, I felt the same way with law enforcement in creating this change within my own industry, and I've stayed with it over time. Um, I was given classes in this area of the U.S. in 2006, and I would get eight guys. I would get seven guys. Um fast forward to today and it's not unusual i i have over 50 affiliated academies around the u.s who teach police wow. jiu-jitsu uh, 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 a grappling based control system for law enforcement and i have eight in canada and i teach coast to coast now and on my personal training cadre i've got about 30 guys who work as adjuncts for me that are that are black belts that are also police officers so it's growing oh damn yeah it's growing yeah that that's amazing yeah. and that's yeah like you <clears throat> yeah you chipping away at it for yeah well over a decade yeah. 15 years even like yeah. that that's that's amazing so yeah that definitely that's super important because yeah like you don't like police officers are are going to put their hands on somebody like it's it's just a matter of time and it's just whether they are comfortable doing that or not and like wh whether they are like well versed in that or not uh, like it would is is that like a fair assessment of like very much like, very much yeah. and and one of the things i teach police administrators or even mm -hmm. lay people like like you're giving me this platform today i'm so grateful sure. one of the biggest reasons for an overuse of force is an initial mm -hmm. underuse of force or inefficient low level force so sure. what i mean by that is um, if I reach out and I try to control your arm, you're, you're a guy that I'm going to try to guide off to the side. You're causing a disturbance. I need to talk to you. I'm going to separate you from maybe, a, uh, not you, but maybe there's a man arguing with a woman and it's downtown at, at the strip. Common story, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to move him away from her, try to deescalate, calm everyone down. And he pulls his arm away from me and kind of bucks up on me. Uh -huh. because of my experience in the room with dudes like you guys like you yeah. um i'm not i'm gonna follow up with another low level technique as opposed to going right into okay well that didn't work so now i'm gonna donkey yeah. kong this guy 
Well, no, I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to start applying the next thing and the next thing. And because I have multiple options with my hands, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I, I'm primarily going to stay with my hands. Now, that's mm-hmm. not the reason. Um, this just came up, and this kind of leads, in my mind, into a good conversation on why jujitsu might be a superior LEO system or even self-defense system than some other systems. And um, somebody told me recently in a conversation, well, it's because it's more camera friendly and it's nicer. And I said, you know, that's true, but that's not why I, why I do it. That's not why I'm committed uh-huh. to it. It's sure. not so I can be nice to people. It's because it's safer for me because I get to dominant positions where I even have the option of disengaging if I need to and getting yep. away or I have the option of finishing where I'm at. And if you get me in a inferior position, you're going to have a hard time finishing me unless you train. So yep. I don't choose jujitsu because jujitsu is nicer, although it is. It's, it is more camera appealing. It's because right. it's more effective. I'm going to win fights. With yep. aggressive striking forms of martial arts or mixed martial or, um self-defense systems, um, I don't think they're as as effective. For me, second place means death, maybe. Um, sure. I could die. My friends have been killed. I've had friends who have been killed on the job. I've had, uh, mm-hmm. I've had up to 20 guys that start, that since I began my career, some are yeah. cra- car crashes, uh-huh. but I have uh, 19 friends who have died since I started working as a cop. So, wow. so I'm not doing jujitsu to be nice to the guy trying to hurt me. I'm doing jujitsu to dominate him. But when I dominate him, it generally works out for both of us because he knows he's being dominated and he quits. How many times have you rolled with a newbie? A guy who looks great in his medium shirt. He does CrossFit. He shows up at 10th Planet because he doesn't want to wear a gi. And he wants to show those muscles off. And he steps on the mat and he sees you and you look like a normal, everyday, nice human. And then you get top pressure on him and he quits. And you just feel him well. You just feel yeah. his will to resist go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you yeah, think that, of that? That's a, that yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Because, yeah, people don't. The, the typical response is like, oh, I just see Red Bro and I'm going to, like, whatever, try to they got five seconds of cardio in them or 10 seconds tops. And then they, then they start to not know what they, what they're doing. Like if, yeah, you, you get on, you take them down, get on top. And then they're like, what do I do from here? They have no idea. And they, they have no idea how to effectively apply whatever little amount of energy that they have. Um, They're just kind of, Kind of in, randomly moving in the context of self-defense and or leo application something you just said is really important and that's the energy um sure. when i connect to you physically with with grappling underhook yep. chest to chest i'm taking you down i'm, I'm, I'm putting some weight on you we're mm-hmm. communicating very clearly to each other and you can feel the yep. guy underneath you even when you're beating him you can feel the guy underneath you who's still in the fight. He's still doing intelligent things. His elbows are tight. He's not letting you have underhooks. He's, he's protecting the neck. He's cognitively thinking of how he needs to defend, even while he's in an inferior position. Contrast that 
with the newbie that you put there and you put pressure on him and to him the pressure is overwhelming or her right. and you can yeah. feel them quit you can feel them yep. second guess themselves you can feel them hesitate you can feel their energy change to where a second ago they were trying to push you over but you shot your underhook you knee tapped now you're on top you're passing to north south you're burying your head into their abdomen and you're putting heavy pressure on that upper body and you're digging an arm out and you can yeah. feel that newbie begin to say okay i'm beat that same yeah. thing happens with suspects now sometimes mm -hmm. i feel the inverse i feel i feel them double down and now we're going to fight but i'm already in a good position so what that good mm -hmm. position allows me is more reasonable force options if i do have mm -hmm. to finish the fight more reasonable force options now I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning because I think it's important for your listeners to know I'm, I'm not a jiu-jitsu practitioner or MMA or PJJ practitioner because we have to mix in strikes, wrestling, weapons if we're talking about self-defense or law enforcement. But jiu-jitsu is a huge base there. I'm not an apologist for law enforcement use of force where I say, oh, well, we need to learn grappling so that we're being nice to this guy who's trying to beat me up or kill me. That's not my methodology. I do, I am ethically and morally all bought into the idea that if I physically dominate other human beings, they will quit many times. And I'm okay with that because I didn't want to fight in the first place. I wanted us to get along in the first place. But I can't control if this guy chooses to try to hurt me or fight me. I, I, am, I am sold at this point in my career on a mixed approach of wrestling, boxing mm -hmm. primarily, maybe some limited kickboxing, mm -hmm. and jiu-jitsu on the ground, and then adding weapons to that mix, I am sold on that mm -hmm. as a superior uh, form of self-defense, the superior form of LEO training. And I could take a guy like you, and I could train you in a very short amount of time on, hey, Mike, this is how you and I are going to go take that dude into custody. It would literally mm -hmm. be very, very quick. Mike, I want you to establish knee on top. We're going to gift wrap him. We're going to roll him from mm -hmm. his belly to, we're going to roll him from belly up to belly down. You could, yeah. you could perform what I just said to do. You could do it right now. Definitely. And so right. what jujitsu gives us is a skill set um, of controlled, dominant, physical behavior. Um, I'm a huge fan of you. I'm a huge fan of Casey Halstead. Shout out to Coach Casey, because the jiu-jitsu where you train is position-based and pressure-based. Mm -hmm. Those two things win the encounter. When I positionally am dominant, I have options. One option is to stay there. Another option might be to improve my position. Another option might be to finish with some kind of finishing break or strangle. Another option might be to disengage and get off. You could get to such dominant positions that you could deploy a weapon system if you had to whereas mm -hmm. an inferior grappler might get caught up on bottom and then pull the weapon out now it's a struggle for the weapon from a bad spot now you made a bad spot worse if i'm under somebody my gun's staying in the holster i don't want to introduce a gun into a fight i'm already losing hey sure, you're you're already on you're, bottom. you're already beating me mike here's a gun yeah, yeah. what do you think of that <laughs> you know yeah, but but yeah. the untrained guy goes well, if I get on bottom, the answer will be the gun. No, the answer is not the gun. The answer is to become better at not being on bottom or to escape bottom or to 
to exist in that bottom space with a clear head, smart. At this stage of my life, I'm, 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 I'm approaching 55, and I know you personally. Mm. If you and I had an actual match, we shook hands and it was jujitsu, I would get submitted. I, I'm okay with that because right up to the moment you submitted me, I would be attempting mm. to do the correct things. There's just a difference, and it's not just age. You're, you're very good. I'm, I'm not trying to appeal to the audience at all. If Chad was your age, I would be dominant on you. I'm not saying that. You're better than me. Having said that, though, I'm relevant. As we, as we, as we grapple, you would say, there's respect that's still going to be exchanged because you're going to go, hey, I, I, I beat Chad, but it's a good role, and Chad's competent. That's what I want for police officers. Because once you're competent, even under pressure, under stress, under an elevated heart rate, you can start finding um, the proper routes to escape. If I started trying to attack you with a strangle of some sort, your immediate response would be counters to the strangle. Even if I got you, meaning you either went out or you tapped, while you were tapping, you'd be trying to escape. Yep. And, and that's the best I can hope for. Training, training does not guarantee us wins. Training does not guarantee mm-hmm. us losses. Those come and go. Mm-hmm. The only way to grow is to train and to struggle. So the struggle mm-hmm. I go through in a room with guys like you does not mean I'm going to win. I might, who knows, the gods may call me home one day and that is what it is. But if that happens, I'm going to die doing what I should be doing at the moment I'm dying, which is fighting. And so yep. if I die, it's an honorable death. Like, and I'm not being mellow. Like, that's how I think. That's yeah. my mindset. Right. Yeah. And rounds with yeah. my brothers in the gym prepare me mm-hmm. to have that heart and that mindset when it's real. And I've been there. I've, I've had it be mm-hmm. real before many times as a cop so far over the years. Yeah. And I've always responded in a way that my brothers would be, would be proud. And, and so that's been important to me. Yeah, definitely. And that it's interesting. You, you started at straight blast gym because I've, I remember like when I first started jujitsu, I watched this already old at the time, like video, like of aliveness from Matt Thornton. And he like describes like how jujitsu is like, you're actively resisting and like you're, you're trying to do things against somebody who's trying to not let you do things. And I'm sure that was a big theme as you like came up training under, under. So, the, so yeah. amazing. And, and then for me coaching, yeah. uh, you've known me for a little while. While I'm not, uh, I was never even at your level as a competitor. I, I did compete in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, Naga, I would have been a regular meddler all the way through my belt classes. I would meddle at least at Naga. Not a significant threat uh, for Worlds. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then certainly not an ADCC guy or anything like that in my in my day. However, as a coach, um, I am at that higher level and I have coached at the highest levels professionally. Mm-hmm. And that's been a real mm-hmm. blessing. That start that you just referenced with Matt and those guys, yeah. that was instrumental. From day one, I'm getting coached conceptually. I'm getting coached in a principle-based mm-hmm. manner. Yeah. I'm getting coached by people who understand aliveness. Uh, to this day, Matt Thornton and those early days at that gym influence how I run a class, how I coach, how mm-hmm. I teach. 
um, to this day, I'm influenced by my early days at Straight Blast Jam. And, mm-hmm. and um, Matt Thornton to this day is a friend. Um, I'm actually a black belt under Michael Chapman, who was an SBG guy. He eventually uh, kind of went his own way, and he runs Impact Jiu-Jitsu out of Oregon. And um, but, but I have fond memories of the SBG days. Those guys are phenomenal. I still follow Matt. I still um, talk to Matt about coaching points. He's very open to me. Uh, on great terms with the Impact guys, um, Dennis Davis, Rob Fallis, all of us are through the mm-hmm. same, we're all through the same tree. So, um, yeah, yeah, we all came up yeah. together. Right. So, yeah, that aliveness training is like that. That's what you're kind of you're referencing and what what kind of gives you that confidence and that like that that like. Yeah, confidence and clear headedness in like a live situation because you've been there before like you've you've been underneath guys in like terrible positions before and you know how to get out and, and you've you've done this over and over as recently as yesterday and uh, oh. <laughs> um today i'm stuck in an airport but if i'm not stuck in an airport right. i train I, I have a little yeah. i have a little rule for myself and I, I call it the rule of three and what the rule of three is is in in nature it I, so the reason I come up with rules is I've been doing this now since 98 and I'm in my 50s and I have no plan on stopping yeah. and sure. motivation I'm not motivated I'm committed those are two different things mm-hmm. there's many days I'm not motivated sure. to train and I train anyway um, yeah. and, and so I made this rule and if you look in nature if someone goes three minutes or longer without air they begin to die they lose three pints or more blood they begin to die if you go out in the desert Mm -hmm. for three days no shelter or water you're going to die and so i Mm -hmm. i said in my head if i have a three-day period of my life i'm not training i'm dying uh proficiency wise so i don't have a three-day period that i don't train and training means resisting Mm -hmm. humans it doesn't mean strength and conditioning that's separate so lifting running that is on you that's your conditioning that's not training that's a key part of preparation but training means i'm going to get up at 6 a.m drive my happy butt down to 10th planet and i'm going to shake hands with mike and the guys we're going to go through some great instruction with coach casey and then we're going to do some rounds and we're going to we're going to we're going to have some struggle training means struggle with my brothers Sometimes successful, many times not. Struggle is the only way to grow. I, I don't want to avoid it. I want to embrace it. In our world today, you and I are sitting in different locations, having a very relevant conversation on, I have a handheld computer. I'm soft. I have, I'm in air-conditioned surroundings. <laughs> yeah. I have to find hard things for me so that when I have a hard situation... I don't quit. And that could be in my relationship. That could be with my kids. Mm-hmm. That could be sure. um, just in general. I can learn a mm-hmm. lot from what you and I do on the map. And it translates. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a sharpening stone. Like uh, Jordan, one of the other instructors at uh, 10th Planet, he talks about how like um, when you sharpen knives, like you, you, you have a sharp knife against like a dull like stone or something like that. And then you sharp as you sharpen the sharp knife, like the dull stone get that gets sharper too. Like the, the iron sharpens iron, like the, 
I believe that's a Bible verse. So it's like, like the sharpening stone eventually becomes a blade too. So like you're the, the upper belt. That's like the hammer is hammering the nail event, but it's in a weird way. The nail also becomes a hammer at some a point. A thousand percent. It's such a great analogy. And oftentimes police officers who are a little apprehensive of going to train will say to me, well, do they have just beginners? And I'll say, listen, what you need to do is if you come and train with me and you come to my class, by the way, a foundations class could be okay because then it gets terminology out of the way and positions and things like that. Uh, I'm actually a fan uh, of, of some kind of foundations curriculum where they at least learn what, what the different positions are so that if coach is leading a block, he doesn't have to coach. Well, this is what a half guard is. But outside of foundations and outside of this is pure competition class, I think that middle range is exactly what you're mm -hmm. talking about. You need yep. the sharp blade in the room, and then you want mm -hmm. the newbies to have some rounds with that person so that that yep. process occurs. I often tell the new, the new people, I'll, I'll handpick who they roll with if they're new to my class, and I'll handpick mm -hmm. upper belts. I'll say, and I'll rotate my upper belts with the new person and with each other so they're still getting training value where they get to go hard with each other but then I'm putting them with a mm. the newer person. And oftentimes a newer person will look, if it's a gi class, they'll look at that belt. They'll become all intimidated yeah. off the get-go. <laughs> and I'll go, listen, the worst thing I could do is give you to that other guy over there who's nervous too, and neither one of you know what's going to hurt each other, how fast is how yeah. it's too fast, how hard is too hard. Mm. The best thing I mm. could do for you as an instructor is to give you this brown belt. And then learn from it and accept it and accept those that sharpening like you're talking about. Accept that sharpening. Don't 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 run from it. Don't don't think it's wrong. Accept it. Yep. And uh, that that's such a good analogy. Like I I couldn't agree more. And I look for that all the time too. Like 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 here I am two plus decades into my training. And I'm looking for that sharp knife in the room to, to smooth me out, to, to work on me. Um, we, we have a tradition at my training classes for law enforcement. Um, a certification class is four days, and they are eight to nine-hour days every day, and we're training, right? So we're teaching a block, we're teaching principles, we're teaching concepts, we're coming up with drills to drill those concepts, and then we're coming up with more live drills. But at lunch, mm -hmm. I put this out before the course, and then I put it out on day one on. I tell everybody in the class, I say, at lunch, I'm not leaving. I brought food. I'm going to graze. I'm going to eat some nuts. I'm going to eat some yogurt, get a little bit in my system, and mm -hmm. then I'm going to roll. For 40 minutes oh, of lunch, I'm going to roll. And it's going to yeah. be open roll. In a, a nine-hour day yep. already. Yeah. Yep. And it's going to be in the middle of a nine-hour day. And it's going to be open rolls. And we're just going to set the round timer and go guy to guy to guy. And this is an opportunity, A, if you train, to be able to train with dudes you'd never get to. B, we're doing a little bit extra. This is a standard. We're going to go a little bit above the standard. And C, if you've never done it and you've always wanted to do it, this is a super safe environment because we're all cops. And those of us who are training, we want the other cops. If you meet a cop who's a black belt, that guy wants other cops to train more than anyone on the planet. That dude wants his backup to be trained. He understands the benefit to himself. We're the loudest cheerleaders for this crap. So, sure. so I'll get these guys to stick around and roll. 
and we'll and in that role I will make sure I'm rolling with my other instructors and my other upper belts. Even though we're on a long day, mm-hmm. I'll call my guys out. Hey, get over here. Get on. Let's go. Get over here. Let's go. And uh, I'll be shaking hands and rolling with the toughest dudes in the room to lead the way. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't expect my students to do anything that I won't do. And uh, sure. I'm never the best guy in the room. Um, I'm in tough rooms. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I'm in rooms where I'm yeah, never the best guy. But um, it's been a benefit. Can I tell you one more benefit for cops or LELs if they're listening? Sure. One of the other huge benefits, um, you've known me for, for some time now, and yeah. here I am, mm-hmm. a 20-plus-year police officer. I'm still in shape, so the physical mm-hmm. conditioning of grappling regularly just can't even be denied. My cardiovascular difference, my physical difference, I fit in the same uniform as when I started. And in fact, it's a little smaller because I was powerlifting when I started because I thought that's how you win fights. You know, I was lifting heavy. I no longer do Uh that. So I've got the physical benefit. A secondary benefit though, Mike, that's really important is the emotional. And dare I say, depending on how people feel, even a spiritual component of the job is bad for your soul. Um, you're going to see things you shouldn't see. Um, I've done things to people at work that I would never do. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't even think of, I've, I've done things to people, sure. had to. I've, I've had events yeah. where people were alive and then they weren't alive anymore mm-hmm. by the end of the event. That's never happened in my private life, you know. That's not yeah, happening yeah, at the course, gym. Yeah, you're, you're, but I'm human. Yeah, you're... And, and, and being able to go to the gym and work out those demons with you and the guys, I can't tell you, one of the reasons I jumped at coming on your podcast is guys like you have been a godsend for me. And I know you and I don't actually get to train regularly, but we do train some. Sure. Um, my yeah. primary gyms are other gyms, but I'm welcome at 10th Planet. You guys, you guys just open your arms to me. Anytime I come, everybody is so welcoming. That, that for a cop in today's society where we're not always accepted, that, that acceptance is good for me to also remember that there are so many good people in the world that are not cops. And it helps put humanity on me as a police officer, mm-hmm. and it puts humanity on my community. So, so the community features of rolling in a jiu-jitsu gym are very healthy for LEO. The physical features are undeniable. I mean, I'm fit and in shape. Uh, we have to do an annual physical at Vegas Metro. Mm-hmm. And every and we do a stress test on a treadmill where they take your blood pressure and then you run and then they take it and they measure your recovery and how your blood pressure holds up while you're exercising. Every time now they know me because I'm 20 plus, uh, you know I'm a 20 year veteran, but they always tell me the guys who grapple test out the highest mm-hmm. on every metric on being in shape. Yeah. They the nurses who do our physicals every year at Metro. Tell us by our blood pressure, by our blood work, and by our stress test. They always know the guys who do grappling and the guys who don't. Even powerlifting does not give you good measures. If you think about what they're measuring, like I could go to the gym and have a 370-pound bench and weigh 210 at my height and be muscle-bound, and I'm not going to score like I score as a 180-pound physically fit grappler MMA guy I score off the charts mm-hmm. for my age sure and and right. and yeah definitely there 
and it, there's that yeah the cardiovascular component it's a small subset it's not scientific it's not big enough to be scientific but the people who administer that testing to my department say that there is a marked difference in blood pressure in recovering from uh-huh. fitness and in they they put us on the treadmill they have to work us longer than the other guys to get our heart rate up sure and then we recover way faster we recover like four times faster because then they have you step off the treadmill and they start taking your BP. What they're trying to, mm-hmm. what they're trying to measure, and I don't know that it's, there's, I think it's a poor man's way to do this, but they're trying to measure our, our heart's ability to output and then to recover. Mm-hmm. We crush it, and they tell me all the grapplers crush it. They literally know when they can administer the test blindly and look at the results and go, that guy does, that guy trains, <laughs> and nothing else gives them that result. So that's pretty cool as well. Yeah. But the emotional and the spiritual parts of getting the stress release, I'm also active in my own faith. I actually feel like the jujitsu mat is the purest place on earth. There's less judgment. They don't care what political party you are. No one cares what gender you are. No one cares what you're into. It's all about being there for that united purpose of struggle strife mm-hmm. and getting better on the mats and there's a purity yeah. to that that actually is not anywhere else in my life for sure yeah, yeah no i i definitely feel it, it's a um it's there is sort of like a yeah religious aspect to it it's like it's a it's a thing you show up to every day and it's like the same time the same place with all the same people and like it's yeah we we go through the same like structure of a class and it's like it's like a ritual kind of thing where um yeah like you we we clap on on to like there, there's like certain little things where it's like yeah community building and we all kind of like feel like we're we're all on the same team we're all a part of something and, and here's where it's unique too I, and once again i want to be very clear for me personally um sure I do have some specific religious beliefs that are not jujitsu. Jujitsu is not a religion to me. However, having said that, (laughs) having said that, the only people who really don't work out in jujitsu are the people who remove themselves. Hmm. We don't, we don't expel people very often. Now you could get expelled for extreme behavior, but often we, we correct behavior. We have people who might act out in different ways on the mat and we correct that. But yeah. that's what I mean by that. That that jujitsu environment, when you find brothers who love jujitsu, you're united. Like we're brothers. Mm-hmm. Like like yeah. we may have different interests, we may have different faith. That's the beauty of it. Like I'm yeah. super active in my faith. I know you're not. Yeah. We still love yeah. each other. We still appreciate the things about mm-hmm. each other and we still know this we know this respectable element about one another. When I right. think of you, I know of I know of several things I respect right off the bat when your name and your face comes up and it's, it's all based off of our being able to um, go through struggle together in a united purpose. And I think that that is very healthy for a law enforcement officer. Um, I mentioned earlier that I've got about 20 friends who have been either hurt in accidents, car Uh one training accident, a guy got killed. The other were, um, vehicle accidents um one guy was a jiu-jitsu black belt ironically and he fell out of the helicopter doing a rescue so he Uh, perished and then um all the other guys that that 
have been murdered, and there's been about 20 of them. Well, I also have about 20 guys who have killed themselves over the years, if not more. And even if you think Rob Fallis, uh, Tim Lane, who was a coach at Extreme Couture, these guys ended up taking their own lives. But in the law enforcement side, I have almost as many friends. Uh, in fact, I might, I'm thinking in my head real quick. I have more friends who have taken their own lives than have been killed by a suspect. Um, wow. I believe that um, while jujitsu is not the only healthy outlet for law enforcement, I believe it is a vital that you find a healthy outlet, and I can I can ascertain or assert that jujitsu mm. could be that healthy outlet for that cop out there to work off the stress. Man, I can be burdened by the memory of um, a kid who drowned, or maybe I'm involved. I've been involved in events where I had bad dreams afterwards, where where yeah. where it was perfectly justified what we had to do, but but sure. I'm still a human being, and. Yeah. And those things dissipate and fade away as I train. And and, and, mm -hmm. and I could be, I could go to the gym. I could show up at 6 in the morning with some heavy burdens on my shoulders, get on the mat, go through warm-up, start to loosen up, uh, mm -hmm. get technique. Casey's leading us through. I, I get into the technique. Suddenly the burden melts away. And then suddenly I'm rolling with Richie. I'm rolling with you. I'm rolling with the guys. I'm taking around with Case. I'm in there rolling, and, and by that time, I don't even know that there's a burden. Like, it's gone sure. for that yeah. period of time. And there's something yeah. pure about that that allows me to place in perspective this heavy, heavy thing that was weighing down my soul, whatever it is. And then I stepped right. on that mat, and my brothers helped lift me through struggle. Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. a pureness to that that I can't recreate other places. So there's a purity to that that I think is very important for those out there who might be considering uh, yeah. jujitsu as, as a workout. Definitely. Cause yeah, you, you guys like for, for police officers, you don't encounter people having a good no. day. Like, <laughs> like you, you, people don't call you because they're, they're having too good of a time. No. Like they're, you're, you're seeing, yeah. Like everyone on their, at their worst and just everyone's having a, like, a terrible time and like you yeah you see like yeah terrible things and have to experience like more than what the average human is ever going to experience and so and i wouldn't say it's it's it, the soldiers who go on in harm's way on our behalf those guys have my eternal sure. thanks and yeah. complete yeah. respect but even then mm -hmm. if i get deployed i come home for a period of time and then i get deployed and i come mm -hmm. home and when i get deployed yeah. it's for a specific mission and many times mm -hmm. not even in my own community, but I am protecting my sure. community. I have nothing, this is not meant to diminish those sacrifices made by those people and their families. It's, it's too vast for me to thank them appropriately. For a police officer though, my tour starts every Monday and it never yeah. ends. And it's in my own community sure. and it's amongst my people uh, of yeah. my city. And uh, it, that's not, um, to cry a river or whatever, but that's a reality. That's yeah. a reality. And so yeah. mm -hmm. my, my thing is not to say, woe is us. My thing is to warn those who are listening, who want to do my line of work. You need to find mm -hmm. a healthy outlet so that yeah. you're the right kind of person for the community and you don't get poisoned. And now you shouldn't be there, you know, and there's cops like that. We draw from the same mm -hmm. pool. We hire from the same pool 
that we police. So we have cops that yeah. <laughs> that make it through, or we have cops that change for reasons. Uh, I think you got muted, maybe. Oh, okay. All right. Now you're back. Okay. Yeah. Someone's trying to call through. So for okay. cops, you um, you have these stressors um, that are they're just a reality. And to mm -hmm. find a good way to deal with them is really important. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's the um, – and, and, yeah, even for us, us normal people with nine-to-five jobs. and 100%. It's like it's a huge – yeah stress relief i've never regretted going to training like nope. you, you never i don't think anybody has ever regretted like going to jujitsu instead of whatever like may, unless they miss like something important or whatever then, then that's a little bit like not that, that that's not good but like if it's your normal training time like you should just be going and it's just because it's your daily feel good um stress relief release the endorphins kind of thing um it's yeah, it's a good habit to to be in. Like I, I go to six a.m. every day, Monday through Friday. Like yep. that, that's that is just my my sleep cycle is a, is acclimated to that. Um, so yeah, that, that that's definitely for yeah, especially for and especially for Leos who like have this extra um, yeah, the extra extra need to like have an outlet to yeah get re relieve some of these. Um, these burdens so anyways that's cool um what is it what's like the biggest in impediment like i know police jujitsu is growing and um there's more and more uh cops who train uh what's like the biggest um what, what's like the biggest resistance that you've seen um initially it was just that uh i believe grappling and jujitsu is not that mm -hmm. old here in america and so mm -hmm. um i'm 50 i'll be 55 this year i'm actually mm -hmm. older than bjj has been in the u.s sure so yeah. uh what i felt like the early biggest impediments were um the the people who make decisions on what we train and how we train and who ultimately sign the dollars for that sign the checks mm -hmm. um in the early 2000s, none of those guys were jujitsu guys. They they might have a karate background, they might have an aikido background. I had aikido sprinkled in. They have a krav background. A lot of the training is is these other traditional arts based, or boxing or mm -hmm. or aikido. Yeah. Um, and so there was some pushback initially from that end. And then, like you said, they don't even know. Then you have guys. Who don't really believe in the martial arts at all in yeah. these leadership positions and they think it's mm -hmm. just another karate or martial art or goofy sure. made up thing yeah so there was some pushback from a lack of knowledge um in the early days uh -huh. um now fast forward why are we having a a now is is different than ever before i'm, I'm telling oh, yeah. you that right now as a guy who's been trying to do this and trying to sure. make a change yeah. For, for two decades. Now it's yeah. it's it's picking up steam. Yeah. And what was interesting is the George Floyd event was interesting to me because you have an event where my fear was initially, he's basically kneeling on that guy. They're going to try to blame yeah. mm -hmm. like pressure, like jujitsu sure. type applications uh -huh. and say, uh -huh. I, I was happy that didn't happen. And mm -hmm. 
Um, I think what everyone saw with that event was an officer who did not have care for another human who was in medical distress. Sure. Um, he did not. Um, he did not act with compassion. He 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 was not taking care. And that's. I'm going to circle back to that. Why sure. jiu-jitsu also helps with that. But um, the exact opposite has happened. What's happened is there's more of a movement currently mm. to physically train officers. I think people in their minds think that police officers train on a regular basis as part of the job. Once you graduate the academy mm -hmm. um, for Vegas Metro, they require quarterly training. Mm -hmm. So that's once a quarter. So that's four times a year. Yeah. And then they have another day added to that that you might get some hands-on training. Mm -hmm. So that's five times a year you might touch each other in training. Five times yeah. a year. Yeah. You're going to touch a dude in training five times this week. Yep. So. Exactly. So you and I both know that consistency over time gives you the result. Yeah. But if I consistently don't train over time, I still get a result. Right. And the result is I'm less proficient, quite possibly, than I was when I graduated the academy, not getting more proficient. Sure. So in law enforcement, the, the old way was, well, I'm a 17-year veteran. I'm far more proficient. Well, that's mm. 17 years of not training. Because many departments only require an annual DT session. Oh, wow. So that's once a year. Yeah. Some departments have no DT requirement, meaning hands-on training. Right. Right. NYPD, which is one of the biggest police departments in the world, does right. not have a DT program. Wow. If I graduate the academy with NYPD, I would never do DT training again. That's crazy. So I could be 23 years on. Now, I am getting... Actual experience grabbing guys, and that has value. That has value. Yeah. Yep. But here's the problem with with practice. Practice mm -hmm. does not make perfect. Perfect mm -hmm. practice doesn't exist, so perfect practice doesn't make perfect. Mm -hmm. Practice makes permanent. Yep. So if I permanently don't train on a regular basis, the result, because mm -hmm. remember, C, consistency, over T, over time, equals R, result. C over mm -hmm. T equals R. Yep. If I consistently over time don't train, the result is I'm not proficient. There's no way to be proficient. There's no way for Mike to stay Mike if you decided, okay, I'm going to train in January. I'm going to train again in June. Right. Uh, I'm going to train again in September. And then I'll throw in a December training as well. And I'm going to stay right where I am. Yeah. Like you're, you're laughing out loud. Well, that's the police world traditionally. Uh -huh. So as as politicians and as society has begun to demand more of law enforcement, which I'm actually okay with, but don't do it out of both sides of your mouth. If you want a more proficient officer, you can't pass a law that orders me to be proficient and then not give me opportunities to train on a regular basis to be proficient. And so the push now, the big change, going back to your question, is twofold. Number one is politicians and administrators are finally beginning, I believe, to accept that you cannot be proficient by training annually. Sure. That's a check mark. That's a check the box type system. Oh, we trained yep. this guy. No, you did yep. not. Yep. And I believe the courts are starting to say that's not training. Mm -hmm. We demand more. I believe society is beginning to say we demand more. Mm -hmm. So good on you guys because it's sure. coming into my industry. The second thing that's happening 
is go back to my earlier statement. In the early days, you didn't have any brass. Nobody who was... The only guys who knew anything about jiu-jitsu were new guys. Well, now, 20 years later, you have chiefs who are blue belts. You have chiefs who are black belts, occasionally. You have chiefs who are purple belts. You have you have commanders, which is another rank, who might be a, a purple belt. Now, through our rank structure on a department, you're going to have cops who train, and you're going to have cops of various belts, maybe one in narcotics, maybe one in SWAT, maybe one, three in the dope or the gang unit. So... Yeah. Uh, a, a number of in patrol. So I'm seeing that change. So familiarity. And then the third thing is law enforcement is a results oriented business. You and I could theorize what would be a good way to take someone into custody all day long, but eventually we got to go grab that person. And it either is good or it's not good. And um, um, wrestling, jujitsu, uh, PJJ, a system of a mixed approach of control first, then strikes or finishing, yep. um, that that formula is effective. It works. Mm. And it's getting demonstrated again and again. There are several studies now, if people care to look, where departments have done studies after they've implemented a grappling-based, control-based system of DTs, where they've had... Um, positive results in injury to officer, injury to suspect, and effectiveness of the, the, the reason injuries are down is they're more effective, right. which goes back to my very earlier statement way at the beginning of this thing that I don't prefer boxing or crop because I'm never getting to a control position. I'm just using aggression to try to overwhelm you. Well, if I don't, I know my, I know you personally, I know your, mm. your, your character and your heart. I'm not confident I could just punch you and you would just decide you don't want to fight anymore. You would defend yourself. Even if True. even if I began to hurt you, uh, diminish you, you would fight through it. You're used to that. And, and so I need to work for control and dominance, and that leads to better outcomes. So I think that's the next reason why we, we're seeing a resurgence um, or a, a um, push for grappling and law enforcement and it's it's better than ever it's growing that's awesome yeah and that's great to hear because yeah it leads to yeah better outcomes for everyone like it's a win it's a win-win for everyone like more more officers are are not as injured and like uh suspects aren't aren't getting as injured either and they're they, they don't have to have weapons or like officer like you don't have to like immediately go to like lethal force or whatever like you have a a whatever a spectrum to to go up to whatever D- different levels of force like you you can use a uh, I, I understand you're you're using it for you're interested in training it for the officers like so they can go home and like that's the that that that's the like officer safety is number one for you uh, but yeah the rest of the community can like see like like you said it's video friendly like it's not going to um an officer controlling a suspect isn't like beating on them with a baton or right? that's not going to, that's not going to be one more thing. That's negative press for police. So here's the symbiotic win that happens. Yeah. The reason that, that, and I can speak personally about me over the years and, sure. and the reason I have very few, um, 
strikes or using my baton or using uh, my pepper yeah. spray or whatever sure. is yeah. because I'm winning at a lower level, which means I'm mm -hmm. safe. And when I'm safe, he's safe. Yeah. And so I'm okay with that relationship. Um, yeah. what, I, what I frown upon is jujitsu guys who show a video of a cop struggling in the street and then go, oh, jujitsu is the answer. Oh, and they're not even going to go down range and do that guy's job. My, my thing, or people who say, man, the cops sh should just be nice to that guy and not have to hit him or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you were to do a self-defense application of jujitsu tomorrow, someone mm -hmm. approached you and a loved one, and they were aggressive and angry, and they tried to strike your loved one, and you took them down. You wouldn't be thinking about, let me see how nice and gentle I can control sure. this guy. What you would do is physically dominate him yep. so that if you needed to Donkey Kong him, you were in a position to Donkey Kong him. And then yep. if he gave up because you're a man of good character, mm -hmm. you would allow, even with offense, for you to control yep. your emotions, which is another important part about training. Even yep. though you would be angry and irritated and determined to protect your young one, your loved one, you would still behave in a controlled manner based on training. Violence for you is not emotional. It's not based on emotion. I'm scared. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Now I'm going to act out on violence. Violence for you is a tool that's been sharpened in our earlier reference by other people in the room. And so now when it's time for me to be violent, I'm violent. But it's because it's time. It's because the other guy is demanding it, not me. I'm not, I'm not resorting to violence because I'm emotional and I can't control myself. I'm resorting to it because the other guy is ordering it and I don't have another thing that I can do. And so I'm applying it. But when I apply it in a dominant position-based manner, many times it allows, I can use, here's another thing that's important for you in self-defense or for me as a cop and for the community in general. Sure. I can use physical force in a grappling context as a de-escalation tool sure. to avoid further violence. Right. Whereas if I didn't have a deep grappling segment, mm -hmm. I would use I would use my presence as an officer, I'd use a verbal command, which mm -hmm. gets ignored or, or rejected. I would use an ineffective grab, which yeah. I don't know how to control someone. They would easily resist that. Yeah. And now we're up into upper levels of force because I'm unsafe. Now I'm unsafe ultimately by that guy, he should not be fighting with me or anyone else. Sure. You and I don't get in fights. Yep. Someone today at the airport here may get mad at me about where we're standing in line. We're not going to get in a fist fight over where we're standing in line. Yep. I know because I'm going to refuse to fight over where we're standing in line. Now, if because the other person can't control their emotions and they decide where we're standing in line is worth hurting me, now we are going to get into a confrontation. But if during that confrontation, I can control them with dominant position, mm -hmm. and they're so dominated that then they change their mind and go back to, holy crap, this was a horrible idea. I picked the wrong bald old guy. I want to pick someone else. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, then I'm going to back right back down to, hey, man, I never wanted to fight in the first place. We're good. Sure. Like, it's a yeah, de-escalation tactic. It's, it's a de-escalation tactic through physical force. Sure. Because you and I can effectively use force. Mm -hmm. And yeah. at the end of the day, let's, let's, let's look at this holistically. Let's say you had a guy who you had to protect a loved one. You get to a dominant position. You're trying to calm him down. And they start um, um, 
trying to bite or claw you or hit you in the groin, you might have to yeah. finish with a strangle and put them unconscious. Sure. Or yeah. maybe they start trying to get a hammer out of their pants pocket. And you, you're already in a physical, so you sink in a strangle and, and finish that and remove the hammer and throw it across the store under an aisle and hold him down and just kind of pin him and talk to him, let him come back. You're going to, you're going to dominate that physically. You're going to control it, but you're, you're, you're not going to use striking to do that. Whereas let's say you did decide he starts going after the hammer. You hit him a couple times, but it doesn't render him unconscious. He gets all the way back up to his feet. Now he has a hammer in his hands. You have empty fists and now you're exchanging hammer blows for punches. That's a losing comp. So, so my approach is not, I often see, oh, look, uh, the cop didn't even have to punch this guy. He's trying to punch everyone else. Y- mm. You know, I kind of think that guy shouldn't be punching everyone else. I kind of mm. think, shame on him. Sure. sure. But yeah. if the officer is so physically dominant that he doesn't yeah. need to punch, well, then that's a win, too. So I'm good with that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of my perspective. For sure. Yeah. And that's, yeah, a... Um... Like you, I think we touched on earlier is like you're, we're mentally like, it's turning them from like getting in such a dominant position where they they don't want to fight anymore. Where where it's like you they 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 exert their ten seconds of cardio and they're like oh they realize they're they're in deep waters and this is like not the the right decision that they just made. So yeah, that's definitely, um, yeah, definitely makes sense and. I, I, since since we're in Vegas, like, have you had to have you had like a good role in the street? Like, ha, has somebody trained jujitsu and you've like they, they've like had they they've responded in like a, an intelligent jujitsu way? Yeah, actually, on on <laughs> on um three occasions, on two of them, I still was able to deescalate by yeah. being on top and staying in yeah. dominant position and talking to the guy. But the uh, other guy was an all-out fight, and uh, I had to resort to strikes. Because he was counter grappling me, uh, he had wrestled. It turned out he had been a marine. He had been a Marine Corps combatives. He was a younger guy. He was on leave. He was drunk. He got trespassed from a club. I got him to leave the club. The club wanted him arrested. I initially got him to agree to leave. The club let him leave. He then came back and attacked one of the club bouncers. We got called back over there. Then he attacked me and my partner. And he he had been a three-time CIF South Division qualifier, and then a one-time CIF champion, according to him. Uh, And when he went with me, it was evident that he had grappling acumen. And um, um, he was countering all my efforts to... uh, I was was trying to do upper body, uh, like, body lock to trips. I was trying to do underhooks, snap down, that kind of thing, and he was yeah. easily going through those. He shot a double. I sprawled. He started to reshoot. <laughs> I separated. He came in low again, though, with his head down, and I was able to knee him. Okay. And with him, I had to resort to strikes to yeah. stun him. I had to resort to follow-up strikes and then a dominant top position to handcuff him. And then once we got done with the whole uh, fiasco, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm to take a military veteran to jail. Um, I asked him, and he said, "Yeah, I have significant wrestling." And he was apologetic, and he's just too yeah. drunk. He got a misdemeanor right. disturbance caught charge, and I think the military probably treat him harsher than the I'm courts sure. in Vegas. But but those are that guy specifically. That turned into a Donnie Brock, Donnie Brook. Mm-hmm. There was one other guy who didn't have jits or 
street training, but, um, well, actually, too, there was a day when we could do karate restraint, and I had a guy who had a large fixed blade in his waistband, and while struggling with us, he got his hand on it, and we were able to do karate restraint at the time. We had to do what was called LVNR, which is basically a Dan Severn short choke, uh -huh. uh, not a completed RNC. So my, I've got a gable grip with my hands back near the ear. Um, I was able to finish that um, that department-approved uh, carotid restraint, and uh -huh. he went unconscious. We handcuffed him, and uh, we were able to take his hand off the knife. And then one other guy um, actually went for a handgun while I was knee on belly and got his hands on the, on the handgun, and that guy I had to strike as well. And that guy... Yeah went unconscious and then we rolled him over but i i beat him with grappling positioning yeah. which from that dominant grappling positioning i was able to uh deliver strikes interestingly enough i had a partner on the call where the guy's trying to get the gun my mm. partner was a big guy lifted weights but he didn't have any mm. grappling acumen and mm. we got into an extended struggle with this guy trying to handcuff him mm. uh kind of almost like a scramble if if you will at the gym Sure. Um, my partner would actually knock me out. Well, uh, I think you got, might have got, okay. Yeah. There you... I'm back. I'm back. Gotcha. My yeah. partner actually knocked me out of dominant positions cause he doesn't understand grappling during the fight and would let uh, the guy back into the fight. My partner uh, also tried to strike this guy from two knees on the ground beside him at some point, And those were ineffective mm. strikes. So through a grappling sure. delivery system of knee on top, where I eventually mm -hmm. secured his pants and pulled up, and I secured behind his head and was pulling up with a knee on belly, mm -hmm. I ceased his mm -hmm. movement, and he stopped going all over. Then he went after the handgun, which I then noticed because I'm kneeling. He's trying to reach through my knee to get to the gun. I realized the gun's there, and I'm kneeling almost on it, yeah. and I was able to deliver mm -hmm. strikes. It rendered him unconscious briefly. We rolled him over. We cuffed him, rolled him back over, recovered the firearm. Um, so that was a, another uh, very specific grappling event where through grappling, um, I was able to maintain dominant position and then, and then ultimately dominate uh, my adversary. Now, people could say, oh, good, you didn't have to shoot him. And I do agree with that because I don't want to hurt anybody. But at that point, he's trying to kill me. Like, like he did benefit, though. He benefited from my training. And I'm glad. My, my soul's happy with that. But but sure. but I didn't like consciously go. Oh, well, I know jujitsu. He has a gun. Right. I'm just gonna jujitsu yeah. him to be nice to him. <laughs> but the beauty yeah, of it is yeah. jujitsu, and 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 grappling hard rounds with dudes like you, gave me the skill set to deliver an effective right. use of force, which ultimately saved lives. And and who knows if we get into a run like I'm running for my gun, he's running for his gun. Who knows if we both don't get yeah. rounds on. You know, and now I get shot, exactly. even though, you know, yeah. so I, I'm certain that jujitsu saved me first and then ultimately yeah. it saved him. And I'm OK with that exchange. Sure, sure. Exactly. Definitely. Makes yep. sense. Um, you, you got into the, the karate when you were allowed to use karate restraint versus versus not. Uh, so that's that that's a matter of like policy, like law. So so so. Um, it's uh, it's a matter of law at, at, at this yeah. point for state of Nevada. Uh -huh. Each state is different. Uh -huh. um, in the past, carotid restraint would be generally, most of the time, 
be be controlled by policy. And departments would say, uh-huh. only under these threat conditions could you do a crowd restraint. And then at times, like my department, when they allowed it, they would say only this form of crowd restraint. There was still a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation about crowd restraint, as though it's not a safe general application. Now, I will say this, Mike. When we're doing crowd restraint to each other, nobody's typically on meth or on fentanyl. So I'm not certain that a crowd restraint to a person high on fentanyl is the best thing for that person. But I would also make the argument, I would concede that argument, because some people make that argument, mm. that, well, as a cop, you know, this guy's high on meth or fentanyl. But then my, my, my co-argument would be, the real danger is, is heart issues, because they're taking a stimulant. And so if you don't allow me to apply a carotid restraint out of being nice to them, being kind, then you're going to make him fight me under an elevated heart rate, so now it's going to take a beating for me to subdue him, and it's going to take yeah. a, an extended amount of him redlining, if that makes sense to you. So now I've got a guy who potentially has a medical condition. He potentially has a heart issue. And your answer to me is, I want you to be nice to him and not choke him because I think that's mean. So now you're going to have to beat him into submission, which could take, sure. oh, a minute, minute and a half. Right. And then handcuff him. Takes more damage. And, it, and yeah. potentially damage him as opposed to a carotid restraint. Yeah. It's wildly misunderstood. It is a tragedy, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that that I can't apply carotid restraint due to political movements and due to a lack of mm-hmm. an, a pure ignorance as to carotid restraint sure. and the, the dangers. Now, I will concede sure. once again that I can't measure the scientific or medical effect of being high on fentanyl and then experiencing carotid restraint. But you also can't be high on fentanyl and run a marathon. You also couldn't be high on fentanyl and do a CrossFit water of the day. You also shouldn't be high on fentanyl at all. Uh, right. and, 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 and wanting to, to fight people, right? Like that, 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 that it's, it's too bad. Too bad. And like the, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to protect yourself and by protecting yourself, you're ultimately protecting them through like this more effective use of force. But yeah, because oh. it looks bad because, because yeah. like it, it, oh. it, it's also re- like, like ethically and morally, I want to yeah. do as little harm to my fellow man as possible. Even my fellow man is off the rails. Even my fellow man who's a, who's a criminal ethically and morally mm-hmm. i want to do as the, i want to be as dominant as possible so that i'm safe and the community is safe after that after that goal i want to be as ethical and as moral as possible and i feel like these well-meaning laws where we say oh no more choking people well well that well-meaning law i believe is is mm-hmm. you're taking an option away from me and I don't appreciate the mm-hmm. fact that now you're making me beat that guy. And now right. I believe we're going to have worse outcomes. I believe it, it will lead to more death. Uh, you're certainly not going to save lives by punching a dude in medical distress and fighting him. <laughs> yeah. it's, no. it's, it's, exactly. it's, it's hilarious to a guy like you and I. Also, those guys can have high pain thresholds. And one of the issues with that is... Now all of my empty hand tactics fail, and now I am using mm-hmm. weapons on this same guy because you took a very valuable empty hand tactic away from me 
meaning not you, but a yeah. lawmaker or the courts right. or the department, yep. takes that away from me. Mm-hmm. Well, now you are forcing me to elevate my force option choice against my will, by the way, because I want to be ethical yeah. and moral on my application, of course. And you are making me uh, cause injury to my fellow man. And I, I don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. it. It actually bothers me right. that, that the uninformed make these decisions. Yeah. And, uh, and that's who makes them. Um, and, uh, you know, um, do, do, are there people who die in law enforcement events where control tactics are used? That, that is true. That happens every year. And that's going to continue to happen. And that happened before you and I were born. It'll happen after I die. Yeah. That's not a reason to take away an effective low-level force option, right. which now you're forcing me to use. I have to fill that vacuum. It's, there's a void you're creating by saying no more crowd restraint. Well, now that gets filled right. with a fist to the face or a pepper spray yeah. or a baton or, you know, yeah. but I, it has to get filled. So what, you know, yep. it's it's ridiculous. So. Um, now, having said all that, in today's climate, I'm not an mm-hmm. advocate for police officers to get that back because mm-hmm. if I applied a carotid restraint a thousand percent correctly to you, or not to you, to a suspect, that's a, and yeah. he was high on fentanyl and he did die, mm-hmm. they would literally mm-hmm. say it's because of the carotid restraint and they would try to indict me. Sure. So uh-huh. um, in the political and and legal environment we live in, I don't even use carotid restraint for self-defense. Because if you did carotid restraint in a parking lot at Smith's and that person mm-hmm. dies, they're going to indict you. Yeah, so I'll use nice. punches. I'll use, I'll hold right. them down. I'll mm-hmm. rub their face in the ground mm-hmm. and tell them to stop. Right. Because yeah. I'm not going to be nice to the other guy and then have that flipped around on me on the back end and then say, hey, you were defending yourself, but we think it's bad. You choked him. We think that killed him. Well, no fentanyl and a heart attack killed him. Well, so I'm not, I don't use carotid restraint as a self-defense measure. I believe it is unsafe for the applier. I believe, I believe you're fully capable of doing carotid restraint. I believe if you carotid restraint someone tomorrow in a parking lot in self-defense, I believe they'll try to indict you. I see. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, because yeah, the, it's the laws are slow to catch up to like what what we know is like basically science like fight, fight science like we, we know this is like what is effective what isn't and it's just yeah we don't have lawmakers who are purple belts in jujitsu and understand these things so. now, now i will say one of the signs we don't understand um is one of the reasons they drug test for mma when they test for ban for mm. drugs narcotics they're not testing for enhancers. They're testing to see if you pop hot for meth because they don't want you to fight. So, so I, I will admit that we do not know the 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 consequence of a fentanyl, a high dose of fentanyl, and then a, a, a carotid restraint. We don't know that because we ethically can't even test that. We can't give people fentanyl and then choke them. Uh, science won't allow us to do it. We can try to recreate it. Right. And they have, uh-huh. by the way, they have done these studies where they've elevated people's uh-huh. heart rates, which mimics fentanyl or a stimulant, uh-huh. and then done stuff like yeah. choked them or put weight on them. And what they found is that people without those substances do fine. They have the normal reaction. Yeah. 
So um, the only caveat I would make to all this is that I don't know how safe crowd restraint is for the meth head who's high, but I also know that fighting's not safe. So what are we doing? And if it's a medical problem, medical will not treat him until he's in custody. Mm -hmm. So so even if you want to make an argument like, let's say someone's pro-banning crowd restraint for safety of the bad guy, and they're pro on the angle that, well, Chad, you don't scientifically know if fentanyl induces more death than crowd restraint. I will stipulate that that's true as a critical thinking Mm -hmm. man who's a professional in my arena. But I would counter-argue back, you also, um, you, we also know that that's a medical problem, and the longer he doesn't get medical, the more likely he is to die. And when you make me fight him, you take a 7 to 10 second exchange, and you turn it into a minute and a half, because i got to overcome the resistance of the grown man. And then back to your relevant point earlier, who now maybe they have... Other injuries, like maybe a nose injury, or because we've had to fight each other. So now this dude's hurt, and he's on fentanyl, and his heart rate's up, and he he redlined for seven minutes, and now we can't save him on the back end because you wanted to be so nice to him when I could have put him out in seven seconds, handcuffed him, got medical code three to him, and medical's there much quicker treating him. So I think we can make those of us we can make that that intelligent argument on our behalf. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's good that, um, I'm super like glad that you are, you're out there. You are like, do like you're, you're in the field. You are like training all kinds of like however many, uh, whatever, 50 departments and like, like 50 affiliates and however many thousands of officers under that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that that's yep. amazing. So yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on today. And, um, that's, yeah, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and you're making a, a big impact. In this I, I, I'm very grateful for my opportunities and I'm thankful for you, brother. Thank you for bringing me on and, uh, we'll shake hands soon and, and, uh, go through, Sounds we'll good. go through the fire, yeah. buddy. Exactly. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate you, you brother. Be appreciate safe. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye.